I just want to say welcome to you. So good to see you all here with us this morning. If you have a Bible, why don't you go ahead and open it to Romans chapter 15. And so we can be ready to look at what we're going to look at this morning. I want to give you a couple of brief announcements. So before we do that, we'll be in Romans chapter 15, starting in verse 13, Romans 15, 13. Uh, let's see, a couple things. If you're new here, hey, I'm Zach, one of the pastors. Welcome. So glad that you're here. Uh, love to get to know you. There's a card in the back of your seat if you want to fill that out and drop it in the box in the back. Uh, so two trips have just have been taken that coincide with our desire to see churches planted among neighbors and nations. So neighbors is Eastside Church coming up in a few months, God willing. And then among the nations, we've got Morocco and Ecuador. And uh, we just had two trips. My wife and I got back from Ecuador, spent a long weekend in Ecuador trying to really... Uh, encourage Steve and Sandy and just infuse them um, with some life and pastor them. And so that was a real joy to be with them. And then same thing happened in Morocco. We had a team of six that went over there. We've got some reports that we want to share with you guys because some really exciting things are happening. We're just not ready to do that yet. So just be on the lookout for that. Uh, I just want to bring you up to speed on that. And we are going to try something new as a church, um, just called Family Meetings. And this is going to happen on December 2nd at 5 o'clock. There might be a slide here on the screen. We'd love for you to mark your calendar. And so like when, when I call a family meeting with our kids, the kids are always like, oh, we're in trouble. It's like, no, that's not what this is at all. It's just a, a time. And we're going to try it once. If it doesn't work, we won't do it again. But maybe it'll be something we do regularly. Just to increase our connectedness as a family as a church family, as a means to talk about vision from the elders, as a means to like ask questions, just to talk about whatever. If there's more strategic things we need to communicate or have conversation about, uh, it's just a, a place where we can do that. And we're going to have food and we're going to hang out. Um, more details will be coming, but just want to put that in front of you because this might be something that we do more regularly. We'll see. Um, but we'd love for you to be able to make this a priority. And take note, uh, Porterbrook and... Um, youth activities. We're going to push it back on that night to 6.30 and not 6 o'clock. So more info coming on that, okay? Well, let's pray. And uh, actually, let me read the text. We'll pray and then we'll dive in. This is Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. Let's pray. Father, we pray that as we continue in this series on the Holy Spirit, that you would use this text through the power of your Holy Spirit to just awaken us, to enliven us, to help us, to strengthen us. Pray that you would use your word like you promised to in the power of the Spirit, working in us to to conform us to the image of your Son. And we know that's your will for us, Heavenly Father. So um, we ask that that would be accomplished yet this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So as many of you know, we are in a series on the Holy Spirit. And this is, I think, week six or seven. Um, week six, I believe. And so we're just continuing in the theme. And the theme this morning is the Holy Spirit and hope. The Holy Spirit and hope. As I think about our common existence as human beings, one of the things I think is consistent is the fact that 
all of us, it seems like, are searching for, whether we're aware of it or not, all of us are searching for enduring hope. Like, where is that place where we can build our house with a sure foundation? Like, could I lose my job? My hope might be in my career. Are, are we going to have enough money? It's so easy for us to put our hope in money, right? Um, is this relationship going to fail? We put our ultimate hope in people, and sadly, that often tends to let us down, right? In this election season, it's easy to see how we put so much of our hope in politics. As a culture, we're deeply divided, and our emotions, they run hot, right? And we all see it. You just turn on the TV or look at your news feed on your phone. You'll see it in about two seconds. Man, we are amped up. Why? Well, why do you think that's the case? Because we so deeply want to believe in something that promises to save us. Like, here's a vision for a new way of living it's going to make everything better. That, that's the political promise, right? Just trust me and I'll make your life better. Sounds very religious, right? Politics shows that, that we all have this deeply religious impulse to want to trust in something outside of us to save us. See that? But what's the normal result from trusting or hoping in false gods? Just let down, right? We, we, we get let down all the time. No one ever lives up to the campaign promises year after year after year. We let our emotions get sucked into believing the rhetoric, uh, the rhetoric and then over time, being disappointed. Now, listen, that's, that isn't to say that politics are bad or that they're unimportant. It's just to say that they're a bad place for our ultimate hope. So here's the question. Is there any place in a world of disappointment that we all experience, is there any place to find a sure foundation to build our hope on in this world? In a world that is aching to find something to hope in. In a world that, that's, that's, that's radiating, you could say, with hopelessness. Where's the power to be a people of true and enduring hope? That's the question. That's what our text deals with this morning. Well, we've been in this series on the Holy Spirit for the past few weeks, and, and I don't know about you guys, but man, I found this super encouraging. And I, it's maybe kind of foolish to say I wasn't ex necessarily expecting that. But when you open up the Bible and see what the Bible teaches, systematically about the person of the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit functions in our lives, you'll see over and over again that it's, it's mainly for the purpose of our encouragement. Like the Holy Spirit is given so that we can know that God loves us. The, the love of God is poured into our heart, the Bible says, through the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is said to be given to us to help us, our helper. If you need help and the helper comes, that's encouraging, Right? to be our guide, to be our empowerment, to be our sign of assurance that God loves us and that there's coming a day when his love will be experienced with no hindrance, 
we will inherit what is promised right now. There's a little bit right now. The Holy Spirit kind of gives us a taste of what we will have in totality in the future. Those are all super encouraging things. And I think that our text for today is going to continue this theme as we learn about the Holy Spirit and hope. So here's the point for today. The Holy Spirit is given to us to empower us to be people who hope in God and nothing else. Let me say that again. The Holy Spirit is given to us to empower us to be people who hope in God and nothing else. So let's take a look at our text. Look at it with me. Romans 15, starting in verse 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. So let's talk context. The context here is the book of Romans. And the book of Romans is probably the most detailed exposition of the gospel, what it is and how it applies to the life of human beings. It's probably the most explicit and detailed that we have in the whole Bible. And so Paul has been writing to an ancient church or or groups of churches in Rome 2,000 years ago. And he's writing this whole huge kind of like this is the main thing I want you guys to understand about the gospel. It's the longest of his letters. And he gets to the end of 15 chapters and this is the sentence that he leaves them with. After this, it's just kind of details in terms of um, some personal things. But in terms of the teaching, this is the last verse. This is the last thing He says, and it's in the form of a prayer. It's in the form of a deep desire. You see that there? He wants to see this materialized in the lives of those to whom he's writing. It was for them then. It's for us now. So let's break it down and see how it applies in our lives. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. So look at the the opening words there. The first thing that Paul says is that our God, the triune God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, is the God of hope, he says. May the God of hope. This is an identity statement. You ever think about God this way? As the God of hope? If you're feeling hopeless, have you ever thought about our God being the God of hope? That's how Paul identifies him. It's an identity statement. God is the one who rightly should be the object of our hope. Not politics, not money, not relationships. God is the God of hope. He is the God of hope. This is who he is. The God of hope. Now before we go on, we need to rightly understand the word hope in the Bible. And this is where it can get pretty tricky because... The way we use the word hope in our common English language is different than the way the idea of hope is used in the Bible. Okay? So the main way we use the word hope is kind of like this. If I'm turning 16, I could say, I hope I get a new car for my 16th birthday. Or you could say, I hope we have enough money to go on vacation this year. Or we could say, man, I hope it doesn't snow tomorrow. 
That's how we use the word hope. Now, what, what is this? What does this mean? Well, what it means is these are all statements of an expression of desire, right? I'm longing for something. I'm wanting something. I'm hoping for something. But I'm not sure about the result, right? It might snow tomorrow for all I know. I might not get a new car for my birthday. We might not have enough money to go on vacation, right? The future is uncertain. But I'm just kind of, the way we talk about hoping is more like a wish. Like I'm wishing for something. But that's not the idea of biblical hope. Try to just erase that from your brain. The biblical idea of hope is more like trusting that God is going to keep his promises. But it's just a matter of time for that to happen. But there's no question about if it's going to happen. See the difference? I I think a a, a classic example is found in Psalm 130. And I'm kind of going off script here. It won't be on the screen because I didn't prep um, the guys. But um, I read this in my quiet time this morning, and I think this nails it. Maybe it's a gift from the Holy Spirit. If you have a Bible, open up to to Psalm 130 because this perfectly illustrates the idea of biblical hope. Psalm 130, it says this. Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my pleas for mercy. If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness that you may be feared. Okay, here it is. I wait for the Lord. My soul waits, and in his word I hope. So there's a connection between waiting and hoping. See what the psalmist is doing there? I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and in his word I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than watchmen for the morning. More than watchmen for the morning. So think about it. If if I am a watchman, what is that? Well, it's like a military idea that if you are charged with keeping watch over the, the military that's camped out over here and you're charged with staying up all night, making sure no one comes to attack, and you're really tired. So a watchman is like, man, I'm waiting for the morning. And I'm waiting for the morning. Like I'm hoping for the morning. I'm longing for the morning. Now, does that watchman go, oh my gosh, I hope the sun rises? No. The watchman goes, I know the sun's going to rise. It's just a matter of when, right? That's the idea here. There's no question about if the sun's going to rise. That's a done deal. That promise will be realized, right? That's the idea of biblical hope. It's not a question of if, it's a question of when, I'm waiting for the time when I can go to bed. I'm waiting for the time when my shift is going to be over and someone's going to relieve me. And and the psalmist says that my soul waits for the Lord more than the watchman for the morning. More than the watchman for the morning. It's It's that sense of longing. That sense of longing. Like, I know it's coming to pass. I know it's coming to pass. I just don't know exactly when, but I'm going to stay put and I'm going to do my job until it's realized because I know it will be realized. That's biblical hope. And then look at what verse 7 says. No surprise. Oh, Israel, hope in the Lord. Why? For with the Lord there's steadfast love. Like you can hang in there 
because the, the Lord is not some cosmic torturer that's going to make you stay up all night over and over and over again and you never get to go to bed. That's not our God. Our God loves us. He has steadfast love. So it's right for us to put our hope in him. He's proven that he's trustworthy because of his love. So he is the object of his hope, you, uh, of our hope. You can trust in him because of his character and it will come to pass. He will cause the sun to rise. You will eventually get to go to bed. You, everything you long for eventually will come to pass. That's what it's saying. So keep at it. Keep at hoping in God. Oh, Israel, hope in the Lord. For with the Lord there is steadfast love. And with him is plentiful redemption. And he will. Like it's a future. See it? He will. It's not right now. But it, it will happen. He will redeem Israel from all his iniquities. Feel the future orientation. There's coming a day when. There's coming a day when. It's coming a day when. We don't know when, but it will come. So our hope is in God. I don't have to stress out. I don't have to be angry. I don't have to be anxious. God's promises are sure. So we hope in God. Our expectant longing is in him because we know that God always keeps his promises. Not like our politicians who can't keep their promises. They are a false hope. But because Jesus died for our sins and rose again from the dead to prove it all true as a historical fact, what else could we possibly hope in that would be better? Amen? So here's the summary. This is what it means for God to be the God of all hope. All our expectant longings are in him. They will come to pass. It's just a matter of waiting. It's not like wishing. Okay? So if we're going to hope in anything, man, shouldn't it be the God of the universe? The beginning, the end, the alpha, the omega. And if you look at the verse, you'll see something else as we progress here. The God of hope. And Paul's saying he's going to do something. He's asking him to do something. See the verb? What's the verb? Fill. May the God of hope fill us. Look at what it says. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. So let's talk about filling. Let's talk about filling. When I think of filling, I think of eating, right? And man, I tell you what, right around the corner is my favorite day of the year. When there's going to be a filling, right? Thanksgiving. Tradition for me. It's like the same every year in my adult life. We sleep in, leisurely morning, get up, lounge around, help get some food ready. We sit down, we eat, and we get after it, right? Like put gluttony off to the side for one day. I mean, we're going to embrace it for one day, and we're going to like not be ashamed of that. This is my favorite meal of the year. It's perfect. You got your turkey, you got your mashed potatoes, you got your cream corn and green beans. And my wife makes this famous layered rainbow jello that's just like pure sweet and condensed milk. It is so thick. And it, oh man, it's good. You, gotta, you guys got to come over and see it. So you guys are getting hungry now, right? It's about that time. But here's the deal I anticipate a filling. I anticipate being a filling in my stomach, and it's going to be good, and it's going to be satisfying until I sit down to watch football and inevitably fall asleep, right? And then I'm going to get up and get the leftovers out of the fridge and put them in the microwave and go round two, right? I look forward to that. 
a filling, that feeling of being filled, right? Like there's, like there's no more room. You can't shove anything else in there. Well, maybe it's a little dessert. But other than that, you can't shove anything else in there. Why? Because you're so full. You're filled. There's no more room. I love that feeling. And I want you to think about that this Thanksgiving. Hopefully you'll be filled as well as it relates to this verse. Because he says, he talks about a kind of feeling, right? Fill you with all joy and peace in believing. Like there's no room for a little anxiety because you're filled with something better. There's no room for a, a, a little bit of anger in there. No, because we're, we're already filled. There's no room to sneak in some, some selfishness in there. No, because we're already filled up. There's no room. Paul wanted the food that they eat that fills their stomach to be joy and peace. To be joy and peace. Joy and peace are fruits of the Spirit that we, that we learned about last week. You remember that? And the opposite would be this, anger and anxiety, right? The opposite of joy and peace, anger and anxiety. We see that all over our culture these days, don't we? Anger and anxiety. Everybody's dealing with that in some sense, anger and anxiety. And Paul is just praying the opposite of these things. He's praying the opposite of these things. You see that? May the God of hope fill us with all joy and peace. Not just partial, not just 80%, no, all joy and peace in believing. How does that happen? Well, I just said it. It happens through believing. See it there in the text? May the God of all hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. So it's not just some wish. No, but there's a pathway for it. It's through believing. Now, let's remind ourselves just again, because we, again, this is another way that our culture uses a word, but it's not what the Bible means. Biblical belief is, is different than just like saying, oh yeah, I believe in something. Like I intellectually assent to the fact that two plus two equals four. No, biblical belief is like when you're, when, you're in, uh, when you're standing as a kid on the side of the swimming pool and your dad is in the water and he says, jump, I'll catch you. Biblical belief is I'm jumping because I know that my dad's going to catch me. Now, I could stand back and be like, uh, I mean, technically, I see your frame. I see your broader shoulders. And, like, it's technically possible for you to catch me. But, yeah, I mean, I believe you'll, you'll, you'll catch me. But I'm not willing to jump. That's not biblical belief. Biblical belief is I trust my dad. Off I go. That's faith. That's belief. And it's treasuring my father above all things. It's trusting and treasuring. That's biblical belief. So Paul is saying that when we habitually, daily preach to myself, my dad's not going to drop me. I'm not going to drown. The gospel is true. When I, you know, that's a habitual thing that we preach to ourselves. That God is what we trust and what we value most. We believe in God and nothing else to save us. When we believe that he will keep his promises for us today and forever, this results in something. Like over time, it's going to, what does it say? Bring more joy and peace. It's going to fill us all, not partial, but all joy and peace. Now, this is a journey. Don't go home with a guilty complex if you don't feel like you've arrived yet. It's a journey. 
It's a journey. And it might not completely be there until the new heavens and new earth, but it will be there one day. Our hope is in God. And that's what Paul is praying for these ancient believers in the area of Rome. Why does he want this? Why does Paul pray this way? He wants this because he wants us to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now we're getting back to our series. He wants us to be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit that looks like something in real life. He wants these believers and us too to be unflappable. To, to not be tossed around by the ups and downs of our circumstances. He wants them to be people of hope. They can't be shaken. People that have their eyes fixed on the promises of God that always come to pass so that when the storm rages around them, they don't have to get angry or, or be drowning in a sea of anxiety. His desire is all this, his desire in all this is, is, is that Christians would be the most hope-filled people in all the world. And this is where the Holy Spirit comes in. This is where the Holy Spirit comes in. Look at what it says. Verse 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. Okay, so let's, let's look at the logic of the verse again. He prays that we will be filled with all joy and peace by trusting and treasuring God and then those little words, those little words are so important in your Bible. So that. What does that mean? So that. So that clues us into a result. Something is going to be produced. Something is going to happen that he wants to see in the church. So that what? What's the result? You may abound in hope. You may abound in hope. Like uh, an, an exuberance of hope. An overflowing of hope, uh, uh, like, a, like a hope that if you put a cork on it, it will explode the bottle. Like it abounds. Well, how's that going to happen? How are we going to be people who abound in hope? Well, what does the text say? Another little word, super powerful, by. B-Y, by. How's it happen? Well, what's the text say? So that by... The power of the Holy Spirit. By the power of the Holy Spirit. There's no abounding in hope apart from this very important factor. There's no standing against the winds of suffering and remaining a person of unshaken trusting in God's promises without this very important factor. By the power of the Holy Spirit. So Paul is praying for these ancient believers and for us He's saying, Holy Spirit, fill these people with power. Holy Spirit, fill these people with power that looks like something, that looks like an eruption of hope. Holy Spirit, fill these people with power. May it look like hope. Fill these people with power. May it look like hope. That's what Paul is writing here. Have you ever considered that being an enduring, abounding hopeful person, a person who's simply waiting with faith on God to keep his promises, like a watchman waits for the morning, knowing the sun's going to rise, that this is evidence that you are being filled with the Holy Spirit's power. It is. It's just what the Bible says. This is what Paul is praying he would see in the lives of this ancient Roman church. Visible power by the way God's people endure 
with trust, belief, hope in God, no matter what comes. Holy Spirit, show your power in these people by the way they carry themselves as people of hope. Man, I think we should join Paul in this. Just casting ourselves on the Holy Spirit's power to make us these kind of people. That's just what he's doing, right? Let's just ask for more of the Holy Spirit. Let's ask for the ability to wait patiently as we know the promises will come to pass. It's just a matter of time. The sun will rise. You're not going to stay up, up all night forever. That's a promise. I think this would be a great verse to memorize. Short, sweet. For the sake of praying for ourselves, praying for each other, encouraging one another, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. Don't be too impressed. I've been practicing. Um, but, man, that, that's a powerful tool in your biblical tool belt as we seek to build one another up. Let's say you're, you're, you're walking through life with someone in your city group who's really struggling with anger or anxiety, maybe just partial or a little or no joy and peace in believing. And you just show up and it's like, hey, can I pray this verse for you? Lord, give them the power of your Holy Spirit in greater measure so they may not just have partial hope, but abound in hope. Just remember that, that Luke 11 says this. Jesus is teaching his disciples and he says, your heavenly father, he's so much better than an earthly father. He knows exactly the kind of gifts that you need. And he loves to give the gift of the Holy Spirit. He loves to give the Holy Spirit to those who just ask him. That's a promise. Luke eleven thirteen. 13, he loves to give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. And that's, it seems like Paul believes that because that's what he's doing right here in this verse. Lord, give us more power to people of hope. We know that power only comes through your Holy Spirit working that in us. See, being people of hope when the world is, is crashing down around you, that's a supernatural thing. You know that? Like That's why we have to rely on a supernatural God to give us this Holy Spirit power. See, if we could conjure up enduring hope on our own, Paul, Paul wouldn't pray for the Holy Spirit's power to be given, right? So let me just give you two big takeaways this morning as it relates to the Holy Spirit. And this is just a, a restatement of what I've already said. But if you're feeling that you're lacking in hope this morning, man, just ask. Just ask. If you don't feel like it's quite abounding, overflowing, erupting, like the text says here, just ask like Paul does. Just ask for it. Say, Heavenly Father, please give me more power from your Holy Spirit so there can be supernatural hope right now in whatever I'm facing. Some of you should pray that right now. I know what a lot of you are going through. Some of you need to pray that right now. Some of you have a deep heart for someone else in the room right now. And you know there's something going on in their life. And you need to go to them this morning and just say, hey, I love you. 
Can I pray this verse for you? That the Holy Spirit would just give you power to abound in hope? Let's do that. We don't have to be shy. Like, we're all family here. That's going to that's gonna create bonds that are stronger than anything you can imagine when we love each other that way. See, God loves to answer these prayers. See, when we're a people of hope, when all the world is crumbling around us, that really makes us stand out as unique. And when we stand out as unique, then we have the amazing opportunity to tell them about the uniqueness of our God who empowers us by his Holy Spirit. And, and finally, if you sense this morning that you do have hope, maybe it's not perfect, maybe it's not all joy and peace and believing, and maybe it's not this eruption of hope, but there's still some hope there. Like you're not decimated. Maybe you, you're, you don't have your day completely ruined when the right politicians don't get elected. Or if you have to wait for that job, or you have to wait for that paycheck. And if you sense that you do have hope when the diagnosis is terminal, if you sense that you do have, maybe not perfect hope, but you still have hope when, when, when that job offer doesn't come, if you sense that you do have hope when that relationship lets you down again, like be encouraged. by family, be encouraged, because that's evidence of the Spirit working in you. Like, you don't get the credit, so don't get a big head. But observe, it's okay to observe that, man, like, I think who I used to be is different than who I am now. And I think that's, biblically speaking, credit to the Holy Spirit working in my life. And that's not reason to get a big head. It's a reason to be thankful. And to say, God, thank you so much for making me into a new person. I'm in the process of being made into a new person by the power of your Holy Spirit, who you promised to give those who trust and treasure Jesus Christ. And I'm seeing some evidence of that. I know I haven't arrived, but I know I'm not who I once was. So, so many of you in this room should leave here being encouraged because you do have a sure foundation. You are exhibiting joy and peace in believing. Is it perfect? No, but perfection is new heavens and new earth. But we're going to fight to stay in the game for right now. And I see evidence of the Holy Spirit all over us. And that's good. So be encouraged. Be encouraged. And if you feel that you're lacking, Man, let's run to the word. Let's run to prayer. And let's do that together. That's why we structure this church in the life of city groups, so that we have a context by which relationships can happen programmatically and organically so that we can help each other. So ask someone, hey, man, I'm struggling. The joy and peace, it's not really my experience right now. Would you pray this verse for me? If you see even a hint of, of hoping in God in your life, be encouraged. God is alive in your life. He isn't going to let you go. He is the God of hope, and his spirit is making us into a people with increasing joy and peace that fills us so that unwavering hope is who we are. Let's pray. Father, I, I pray that this would be who we are and that you would continue to do this good work in us that you promised. And so, Lord, help us. We need your help. Apart from you, we can do nothing. In Jesus' name, amen.